who would win in a fight, Red Guardian or Gator Loki? Gator Loki's a gator. The Red <laughs> Guardian has thumbs. <laughs> Joining me is Eric Slater. My name is Chris Carroll, and this is Comic Zombie. I freeze. I'm Batman. I am the law of the Jumano, bitch! Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate a wheel. Hey everybody, it's your old pal Chris here. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Comic Zombie. I'm joined as always by my cohort Eric Slater. How you doing, Eric? Hey yo! So today we are going to um, talk about a couple of things. Obviously there's been some some recent MCU stuff. Uh, Black Widow was released finally. I know, um, right? We'll talk about our thoughts on that. Yeah, And then uh, just recently the Disney Plus series Loki concluded. First season of Loki. They just confirmed season two, which is great news. I'm so excited. Um, we have a lot to say about Yeah, seriously. We have a lot to say about that and what it means for the future of the MCU. And, uh, you know, maybe where we think it could or couldn't go or things like that. But before we get into that, we just wanted to kind of get a little bit caught up with you know the thing that kind of drives us to this stuff which is the comic books themselves and just get a little bit caught up with kind of some things that we've been checking out that we really like and um check in on some stuff we've mentioned before so eric uh what what do you uh what have you been reading that that kind of tickles your fancy so i've really been digging into uh rereading brian leo malley's scott pilgrim graphic novels um and i started this because i you know started reviewing them for geek to geek media um, but like, I've been really, really genuinely enjoying revisiting them. It's just, they're excellent. They're, they're so well done, like every step of the way. And if you know the story, if you've read it before, I mean, if you're familiar with the movie and all that, like revisiting it, like you notice certain things, you know, that like, like little details that he kind of worked in early on that ended up paying off. Uh, definitely. He definitely wrote it in like a long long game uh, format. It didn't feel like, as you read it all at once, it doesn't ever feel like, man, he was just making this up on the fly. Although <laughs> at times, I'm sure that's what was happening. Yeah, I mean, some of it is very random. For sure. But that's also the kind of the nature of the book, I guess. But Oh, um, totally. That's half the fun. I was always very impressed. You know, some people will argue that how good it is. I personally love it, but always impressed by Edgar Wright in particular, their ability to take essentially, you know, four or five movies worth of material just as far as the amount of content from the graphic novels and condense it into one movie. You know, obviously they had to cut a lot for sure, but they kept everything I think that was important Yep, and really stylized the shit out of it. And I always thought that that as far as um, maybe not direct adaptations, but taking the source material, the spirit of the source material and putting it on screen, Scott Pilgrim's way up there. And I, and the book is, is great. And obviously it wouldn't be a very good adaptation if the book was shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I would say Scott Pilgrim, the movie uh, is definitely one of my like top 10 easily. Like that's a that's a great movie. And you're right. It's like really it funny. only works because of the, you know, the source material. But Edgar Wright just did such an amazing job capturing the spirit of the comic. Like it really brings it to life. Obviously, they cut stuff, but it was like essential to making that work as a movie. I would be interested to see what that movie looks like with somebody that's not Michael Sarah playing Scott. And it's not that I hate Michael Sarah or anything yeah. like that. I just think if everybody in that movie, he was probably the only one that wasn't quite cast right. Yeah. Um, 
But but you know, credit where credit's due, his comedic time he's pretty good, and just his portrayal of like the put upon slacker is always he does that well. So I'm, <laughs> just you know, uh, the scene where he's going to the the club to fight Gideon, and the guys are like password, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> Uh, I know exactly anyway, what you're talking uh, about. We can talk, quote this not, movie like... Yeah, we're not here to talk about the Scott Pilgrim movie. Not today. Um, so yeah, you've been rereading the books. Um, or is there any... What, are you done with them? I I, I can't remember. I just finished volume five, so I have one volume more to go. Five, five yeah, one more. Okay, I actually, cool. I want to so, hold uh, off on reading it because I want it to last longer. <laughs> like, I, I actually like ended how, up speeding through these, you know, because they're just so good. That's, yeah, that's what I did with Akira. I read like the first... I think there's five volumes, if I'm not mistaken. Whatever it is, five or seven. Mm-hmm. But I read, I think it's seven, actually. I read the first, you know, all but the last one very, very, very quickly. Yeah. And then was like, oh, I don't want this to be over. So of of the volumes you've read, who is your favorite of the evil exes in the book? In the books? Oh, that's a tough one. Okay. Okay. Let me just think for a second. It's a tough one in the movie, too. But I think the book might be harder because they're a little bit more so- fleshed out. Like in volume five, you get the Katanagi twins. That's it. The twins, basically. Katanagi twins. They're in like less than one scene in the movie. So they don't even get any dialogue. They're not even characters in the movie. And they're very fleshed out. No, they're just there for the video game fight. Yeah, Yeah, which is cool. You know, it works for the movie. They're not my favorite. I just thought that was kind of an interesting note. I think it's between either Lucas Lee or, uh, oh man, who was Brandon Roth's character? The third one. Todd. Todd, yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're they're pretty they're pretty funny in the book. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, Todd I think especially is my favorite. Yeah, I think, as much as I adore Chris Evans, I think that um that that Brandon Routh had my favorite in the movie. I think his portrayal of Todd was just so swarm like smarmy and douchey and which is exactly how he's written. Just, it, no, yeah. I loved it. It was yeah. he he nailed. And he's it. kind and of so a dumbass. Chris too. Evans. Yeah, I mean, Chris Evans crushed it too. But I think I like Lucas Lee in the book is my I think he's my favorite. I could see that. Yeah. Favorite, you know, they're all they all suck. He's my favorite like, to hate. <laughs> yeah. I think I will say I think Gideon is a lot better in the book. He's more intimidating and stuff, you know. He's more yeah, of a presence. No, well, it's he's he's more like the the reverse flash to Scott in the movie. Like he's oh, a lot like Scott, but he's a little bit bigger, a little mm-hmm. bit stronger, way more put together. Like They could easily have their roles reversed if Scott just gave a shit, you know? Yeah, exactly. One of the really cool things about the book versus the movie is that the book, like, kind of plays up the fact that Scott's not really the hero for a good portion of the story. He's kind of, you know, he's he's like... He's kind of an asshole. Yeah, like, he's... He kind of sucks, but like because yeah. we're on the journey with him, we see it from his point of view. So we're just led to believe that he's the hero of his story. Uh, and I kind of like that sort of thing. Like he is an evil ex in the making. You know, I think that's really cool. I mean, they they touch upon yeah, it in the movie just to, barely, but yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, Ramona straight up says it to his face. Then he has to like about face his personality to make sure that doesn't happen. Exactly. And that's where he learns the power of love and then the power of self-respect. <laughs> exactly uh, uh anything else you've been reading besides scott pilgrim uh so i finally caught up on the immortal hulk graphic novels i know we touched upon this yes. before they're Many really times. good great book they're really good man so the one you're talking about is the the one i lent you volume eight which runs up to issue 40 so there's 10 issues left with, and they collect them in five issue chunks so there's two trades left to come out volume nine has not come out yet so we're on this just awful cliffhanger not awful and poor but awful <laughs> yeah. like oh i gotta see what happens next and yes i could just hunt down the single issues but i've got eight trades at this point like i don't want to stack might as well complete the that, collection you know? yeah 
Exactly. So, uh, yeah, what were your thoughts on it? I mean, obviously, we've been kissing this book's butt for quite a while. It's fantastic. <laughs> but this is the one where yeah. a lot of the um, like machinations mm-hmm. behind the scenes that, that we know some stuff has been going on, but we haven't known exactly what and who's behind yeah. it. But we, it just feels like something's been off. And, and this is where it's revealed, like, who's been pulling the strings for quite a while. And uh, I don't know. Do we want to spoil it? I know it's been out yeah. for a minute. I mean, it's up yeah, to you, let's, man. Let's spoil yeah, let's do it. Let's we can't it. really talk about it without spoiling it. Yeah, yeah. So it's revealed that none other than the fucking leader of no. Bruce Banner's arch nemesis, this maybe the smartest man in the Marvel universe. Um, the, oh, the he has to be leader, Samuel. So, yeah, if he's not, like, what's the point, right? If the yeah. if the Hulk's the strongest one there is, his enemy should be the smartest one. Otherwise, like, yeah. why? But he uh, he has been using. There's this uh, storytelling mechanism they're using called the Green Door. Mm-hmm. Essentially, they've revealed in this book that any of the gamma irradiated characters, the Hulk characters, cannot really die. You know, you can kill Bruce Banner, but as soon as the sun sets, the Hulk wakes up, right? Mm-hmm. No matter what you've done with no the body, you can even, like, repeat himself. Yeah, it's pretty horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they've revealed that basically when they are killed, that they go through this thing called the Green Door. It's literally like a green doorway, and they go into what is almost hell, basically. Yeah, it's like a limbo um, dimension kind of. Right, but it's it's an awful place. Yeah. <laughs> and come to find out that Stern's, uh, the leader, figured this place out a while back before Banner did, or right around the same time. But he's understood it, I think, better than anyone else and has been using it to essentially possess people and using that at like opportune moments or if you're anybody but him, inopportune moments <laughs> to really like, you know, screw things up for everybody. And it's just almost the whole... Uh, trade, if I'm not mistaken, is just like, look at all this crazy shit that's been going on and look who's behind it. Yeah, basically. And what's really cool about that yeah. is that he's not controlling just one person. He's manipulating like three at a time, isn't he? He's like just and pulling one of the, the strings too, like, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's and then literally at the end, a Doesn't he get master. like almost all the Hulks? Something like that. It's pretty insane. The There's problem a lot is though, like he, he, the problem is, is that the Devil Hulk has become aware of him, yep. which is the most yep. dangerous Hulk uh, that Paul Jenkins introduced way back in like the late '90s, early 2000s, and it's like the the part of Banner that like he's the most scared of, mm-hmm. um, and it it like loves Bruce. It yeah. really wants to protect Bruce. Exactly. That's his number one goal. It's like you don't mess with Banner, mm-hmm. but it's he's there's no controlling him. Like he's as soon as he's out, like it's all over. He's like he almost looks reptilian. Yeah, um, he's got like scales and shit, and like in Banner's mindscape, he's in like this Iron Maiden-looking jail cell deal with like these huge chains holding him down. Um, and at the end, if I if I remember correctly, it looks like the leader freed mm-hmm. him or he got free. I don't remember exactly. It's been yeah. a few months since I read it. Anyway, it's it's setting up like a huge confrontation between the Hulk and his greatest villain, who really hasn't been featured at all as like an arch nemesis in quite a long time unless i'm missing something well he's also um, died I think at a one few point times, he was which they even yeah, work into was, the story Lowe, which is cool yeah no ewing does a great job of like uh fitting past continuity into current stuff and making it all seem like it was all planned out for like 30 years um i do have a question Lowe, though he's the leader a bit in his his red hulk story oh but okay. other than that he hasn't really been around the hulk a whole lot what was your question so in the previous volume, there was a new, I think it was a new character that was introduced. I'm trying to remember the name, like Xanadu or something, or Zenmo, maybe? Zenmu, he, he isn't new. Zenmu. Um, he, 
Oh, yeah, okay. Zenmu is X X E N M U or Z E N M U. Um, yeah, he has been around since like the the Timely and Atlas days of Marvel Publishing, like before they were even called Marvel. Really, um, and it, he I was didn't a, realize. Yeah, that. he was originally called like the, like I want to say it was Zenmu the Living Hulk or Zenmu the Hulk, and then people just called him a Hulk. So way before That's Bruce weird. Banner and the Hulk, there was a character published by what is now Marvel uh, that was called the Hulk. And so huh. Ewing, the writer of Immortal Hulk, thought it would like be cool torch. if he brought him into the story. When he did that, he did it in a really interesting way. Like, he stuck with the exact origin from those old books. Yeah. And the the powers and the look and everything. Like, they didn't change anything about it. And it shouldn't have worked because it looks ridiculous. It's very But weird. in the context of the story and the way it's drawn, it looks terrifying. It's horrifying. It looks like one of those yeah. um, really cheap... 50s monsters in a movie like an alien where they had like yeah. an old bigfoot costume and like a weird metal <laughs> thing and yeah like making an alien you know mm-hmm. and instead of it just looking doofy it looks scary and they do a really nice job in the story of showing like what why this thing is here and what it's doing and how uncontrollable it is and then of course when the hulk our hulk uh-huh. you know gets the upper hand it's disturbing <laughs> yeah it was very it was just one of the weirdest things but it, it was awesome like i don't know if i've read anything like that in a while you know and that's honestly what i can say about pretty much every single volume of this book is is that i'm not sure if i've read anything quite like it in a long time if not maybe ever yeah. uh, i mean it certainly has elements of things from uh, you know that you can recognize from elsewhere but that's kind of the genius of it it's, it's like this frankenstein's monster of plots mm-hmm. um and like concepts and he just smashes them all together and makes it work really really well yeah um oh they also played up Donnie the minotaur Kate. character quite a bit like he's terrifying in these books <laughs> yeah the guy from jason aaron's thor uh who's yeah like the leader of rocks and oil which is like the giant evil conglomerate in marvel yeah um he's an actual minotaur from like one of the nine realms like an asgardian kind of deal uh, Ari- dario auger yeah that's his name and, Dario. yeah, yeah. He, He's terrifying. <laughs> he's just like, murdering people left um, and right, like without any like thought, you know. He doesn't care. He's he basically feels like he's invincible. You know, I was gonna say like I, I feel bad for whoever's gonna follow Ewing on Hulk, but it's gonna be Donny Cates, who yeah, nobody thought anyone could follow Jason Aaron on Thor. I mean, that was one of the greatest runs Thor's ever had, and Thor's had some great runs. Mm-hmm. And then Donny Cates in like eighteen issues, Aaron people stuff. are already like starting to forget about the Jason Aaron stuff because yeah. Cates' run is so so good. All the stuff with the Galactus, um, uh, it's pretty nuts. And that was just the beginning. It <laughs> yeah. gets crazier from there. Yeah, I wait till you get to up. the stuff about Donald Blake. Um, oh, really? The old dude yeah that's awesome I, oh i know some thor stuff like, like thor's one of my favorites you know no no you yeah no you will love kate's thor stuff nice. um, he's so good but yeah he's taking over hulk so it's gonna be in good hands and al ewing who's been writing hulk obviously is gonna replace donny kate's on venom uh which i'm very excited about so yeah that's awesome it'll be cool to see them kind of trade books and, and see yeah. what happens <laughs> so what, what else been... i've been digging yeah couple there's a couple of things before i get to the marvel stuff because there's a few marvel things there's this book being published uh under dc's black label where they can it doesn't have to be superheroes thing it's just almost like uh vertigo used to be but it also includes superheroes yeah um, why did like they ever get rid of it's just like 
I have no idea. It's DC, man. You can, if there's one thing you can count on, it's that DC is going to publish really cool stories yeah. and they're going to fuck up everything else because that's just what they do. Movies, comics, doesn't matter. The only thing that seems <laughs> to do well for them consistently is animation. And lately their animation hasn't been to the level it used to be. I mean, I am excited but, about Long Halloween, but that's a whole nother topic. Uh, did you see volume one yet? Not yet. Yeah, you won't be real excited after you see it. Oh. They, they, yeah. It's no. it's okay, it's not bad. It's just yeah. No, I hear you. Um, it's not to the quality of like the Dark Knight Returns adaptation. I wasn't expecting. It's not, it to like, be. It's not terrible. It's not like I'm not. Yeah. I'm not trying to crap on it. It's not terrible. I'll watch part two. Sure. Um, the Joker's pretty good, but it's just oh, like cool. you have this amazing story, and like you know they keep a lot of the elements to it, but it just I don't know. It I don't think it lives up to the book at all. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a big one to live awful. up to. It's, but it just used to be like I don't know. It used to feel like when DC put out something animated, like it was like something to look forward to, like big time. Like oh, I can't wait to see New Frontier or whatever. And they've had their ups and downs. But since they went to um, the New Fifty Two models and they just kind of stuck with all that. And it's not that I have a problem with those models or anything. Um, I just feel like something was lost in there somewhere. Like, I'm not sure they've they fully got it back yet. But anyway, uh, DC's Black Label, uh, James Tinian, who is uh, what was always writing with Scott Snyder on Batman, and, and uh, after Snyder quit Batman, kept writing his own book. Um, I believe he's writing Batman now, actually. But anyway, he, he has this book under DC's Black Label. It's not Batman-related. It's called The Nice House on the Lake. It's a horror story. And it only two issues out of 12 have been released to this point of the re- this recording here towards the end of July. And, um, man, it is something yeah. else so really 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 vague synopsis of kind of the setup all right because okay. i don't want to okay it's really really cool but there's this guy who you kind of are introduced to him and these other people through the lens of this one character and there's this guy who kind of collected friends i guess huh. like he kind of cherry picked people based off like personality traits or quirks and it, it's you're not quite sure why he's inviting all of them to this really cool cabin type place. But they, as one by one they arrive and they get these little cool cards, uh, like he sent them like emails and stuff. And he explains them like, you're going to be known as your um, occupation or whatever. It's like you're the comedian huh. or you're the artist or you're the teacher, you know, whatever. Okay. Uh, and you can give people your name, but like that's your nickname for the, for the what's presumably the weekend. Long story short, when they get there, their friend introduce like kind of introduces everybody to each other and he's like hey oh this place by the way it's out in like the middle of nowhere um out near these mountains and it's on a lake and it, it looks almost like pacific northwest i can't remember exactly where it's located but it's really pretty and the house is ridiculous like <laughs> bruce wayne built this thing right like nice. it's stupid and it has like everything <laughs> you could ever want and their friend shows up to tell him um i brought you all here for a reason unfortunately like you know, none of you can ever leave here, but I, I brought you here because I, I care about you guys and I want you to survive what's happened. And well, they're like, what are you talking yeah. about? And they, they, they start turning on like, you know, social media and television and stuff. And basically like everywhere on earth that they can tell, except yeah. for the area around where they are, uh-huh. the air caught on fire. What? That's crazy. And like, so like people are just dying everywhere. And like Twitter's gone dark. Wow. Um, like a lot of internet's down. Like it's just slowly things start falling off as like more and more people die. And they're like, what is happening? And they start to realize like this dude had something to do with this. 
Oh man, he he taught, or at least he knew about it, right? Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. one of them lashes out at him and and hits him with what should be like a fatal headshot, uh-huh. and instead of like his split open face causing him to like keel over dead, it's like the art's very drawn weird because you're, they're not sure what they're perceiving. Oh, because that's he's cool. showing like what what he really is and what he really is, their brain can't quite comprehend. Oh, nice. Um, but he's not human. Yeah. And he's like, I don't blame you for lashing out. I'll check in with you from time to time. Like, enjoy the house. Wow. Um, so now that you got all these strangers and, and like little cliques inside this group that all kind of knew each other, like two at a time and stuff, uh-huh. that are stuck in this house. And they like, some of them, like, one of them's really hurt because they tried to attack him and he like lashed out. And some of them are like already planning, like, what do we do here? Like, do we try to go get, <laughs> like, investigate? Like, do we yeah, go try seriously. to find survivors and bring them here? And other ones are like, I'm just going to chill out. Um, it, but it's it, it's really interesting, and like the characters are all really intriguing, and it's really well really well scripted, like well written. Mm-hmm. The dialogue's great, the art's fantastic, and it's just the concept alone is intense, man. It's captivating, and I really can't wait. There's ten issues left, so there's a lot oh, of ways wow. to go. But yeah. but so far out of the first two, like I'm hooked. It is really really good. That sounds right up my alley. Like, I think you'll really like it. I think the first issue is already on like its fourth printing or something like that. Like it's a big hit. It sounds like something Image would publish too. You know, it doesn't. Sound I actually like at DC first thought it was Image or Dark Horse, but then yeah. I looked out at the DC Black Label. So I guess wow, it's kind of what so they're cool. they're trying to fill that vertigo void, and at the same time, it's also where they publish like their non continuity, more adult superhero stuff. No, that's awesome. Um, um, what was the title again? The Nice House on the Lake. Okay. I'll definitely be checking that out. Yeah. It's really good. You'll like it a lot. It has all like, I don't know. I can't wait to see this thing on screen because it's already been optioned, but it's going to be. What? That's it's awesome. It's going to be something else. It's going to be something else. Something else that just came out that I was really excited about was uh, issue one of the newest volume of X-Men. So Jonathan Hickman's been writing the last volume we're in for like 21 issues which was just kind of focusing on Cyclops and the Summers family during the first year and a half or so of the Krakoa era. Yeah. So the book shifted. And now that Cyclops and uh, Marvel girl, Jean Grey, during the big um, X of Swords event determined that, yeah, Krakoa is great and all, but the world still needs X-Men. So there was actually an election held among the citizens of Krakoa to elect like the last two members of the team or whatever. Like, so like they're actually the heroes of a nation at this point. But the lineup is uh, Cyclops and Marvel Girl, of course, Scott and Jean. Uh, Wolverine, but not Logan. It's uh, X-23. Oh, that's cool. Wolverine now. Yeah. Um, and she's got like a Wolverine I always thought she was a cool character. Hair, hair hanging out the back. She's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Sunfire, who's like the Japanese dude from like Giant Size X-Men, number one. Like he's been around for 40-something years. Oh, yeah. They haven't um, used him much, have they? No, but he's great. And he's on the team. And then you've got... And he's got a lot of history with them, too. Rogue, who's drawn in like her old school 90s costume and can like fly and stuff i don't remember how but i honestly don't <laughs> care because she's like rogue from the 90s again nice um she's all the character works the same like she's still the same rogue you know she's married to gambit all that stuff but she yeah. is uh she's it's like old school powerhouse rogue i freaking love it that's awesome um captain marvel rogue yeah yeah yeah, yeah the one yeah the one from like the cartoon polaris magneto's daughter the green-haired mag uh, oh yeah magneto she's awesome powered girl um, I love her. She's been around. She's the first. Um, she was actually the first, not like as a plant or as one issue member that joined the team after the original five was player. So she's been around for quite a while. Hmm. Uh, and then you've got, <clears throat> excuse me, Sync, who a lot of people don't know about Sync. Not like the kitchen sink, but like is in Synchronize. 
He's like the mimic um, character, right? Kind of. He's like. Do you remember Heroes, the TV show Heroes? Yeah, yeah. Um, he's like the. Do you one remember dude. Peter Petrelli? Peter Petrelli, yeah. He was Milo Ventimiglia's character. Like, if he was around somebody with superpowers, yeah, he could all of a sudden he had that power now. Was it like a one mile like radius them? or something? I don't. I don't think it was that far, but it was. Oh, okay. It was. I think he had to be like pretty close to them. But yeah, uh, Sync is the same way. Like, if he's near somebody and they start using a power, he can use it too. That's so awesome. you've got a guy now who can be shooting Cyclops optic blast while he's flying and shooting flames and using telepathy and has Wolverine's claws and healing factor. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. So that's the, the team was kind of like specifically picked for their, their skill set and how they work with each other. And it's just, it's really cool. And their headquarters, because they have you know access to the Krakoa plants, they can build um, gateways to take them like anywhere in the world. They built, I think it's in central park. Yeah, it's in Central Park. They built it's a, their their headquarters is basically it's called the Treehouse, and it's like an organic base. It's a giant tree, and like their headquarters is like parts of the tree. Oh, that's I don't cool. know. It's hard to to describe accurately, but it's really cool. And one of the main beats of the issue story is the reporter Ben Urich from like the Daredevil books. Oh yeah, meeting with Cyclops, meeting with Cyclops in the park to discuss like what's the deal here, and. <laughs> Then you read his article, and he's like, to be honest, this thing is really cool, you guys. Like, readers, you need to go check this place out. Like, the X-Men have opened it up to the public. You can come say hi. Like, it's it's really cool. Um, it's written by Jerry Duggan, who's been writing, like, Marauders and a bunch of other stuff for Marvel. And it's really, really interesting take on the book. I'm very excited to see where they're going with it. It's just, it was a really cool first issue. So I like that a lot. Even though I haven't been keeping up with the current X-Men comics... It sounds like they're doing some really interesting and different things with with all those titles. They really are. Cool. There's a lot of there's a lot of books, but each one is completely different from all the yeah. other ones. That's so, so awesome. I know I can't I unfortunately can't afford to buy like 15 X-Men books a month <laughs> just because. Yeah. Um, but I, I would think. if I could because they're all of that caliber. Like yeah. the ones I have read and I have an issue or two of each one because of crossovers and stuff. They're they're really interesting. They're really really cool. I like them a lot. And of course, I stick with like the flagship book. Oh yeah, totally. The other thing I've been really digging that's been coming out, and I think the f- there's two or three issues left. It's uh, it's called Spider Man Spider's Shadow, and it's Marvel's newest take on their What If formula. So obviously, the show What If is coming to Disney Plus, where we get to explore the multiverse more on that later. Totally. Um, but the comic book used to just be, there used to be a comic book. It was titled What If? And each issue was a spin on an existing title or existing uh, property. So it would be like, uh, the one that I always go to is like, it, Wolverine's first appearance was in The Incredible Hulk. And so one of yeah. the most popular What Ifs back in the day was What If Wolverine Killed the Hulk? It's like, what if in that first battle, Wolverine got the edge on him and somehow took him out? Like, what happens after that? Mm-hmm. And they did that with a lot of different books. But instead of doing like a, a title, what if now, if somebody has this really cool idea that just doesn't fit, like it's, you know, it's a, it's a what if type story. Mm-hmm. They published it like DC used to with their Elseworlds line, where it's just like under a what if banner. It's not Spider-Man, what if spider shadow. It's just published under their what if line of books. That's cool, um, though. So this story is it's written by Chip Zdarsky and drawn by Pascal Ferry. It's fantastic. It's basically what if Peter Parker never got rid of the Venom symbiote when he got it back before Eddie Brock ever got it. That's and awesome. 
literally when he makes the decision to keep it within like a day, his aunt may is dead and he's murdered the hobgoblin and left his <laughs> smashed head body like webbed up in the street. Oh, that's amazing. So that's after one issue. Uh, then the venom symbiote starts like influencing him and egging him on. And his appearance becomes a lot scarier. He becomes bulkier, a little bit more Eddie Brock looking. That's awesome. And at one point, um, Fisk is sending guys to take him out. So he sends the scorpion and the shocker and ah, crap. Somebody else. It might just be scorpion and shocker, whatever. He shows up at Fisk's penthouse with the shockers, like torn off arm (laughs) and the scorpion's bloody tail which That's is like fused awesome. to his central nervous system. Yeah. So like to pull that out, it's like pulling his spine out. He killed him. Yeah. And then he just punches a hole through Wilson Fisk. Dude. Um, and That's at this badass. point, like the symbiote has almost got like complete control of Peter. There's very little of Peter Parker operating right now. Sounds like and, um, so at the end of the last issue, he finally like get it, gets a hold of himself and gets to read Richard's. And he thinks he's been freed of it and everything's cool. And then realizes like something's really wrong. And then you see that Reed has been taken over by the suit. Oh man. Oh and so now the man. Venom symbiote's like, yeah. And it's like cloning itself. And it's like, oh no. shit. That sounds um, amazing. The story's bonkers. Yeah. It's bonkers. You said Zdarsky, uh, wrote, Zdarsky? Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. And he did Spider-Man Life Story, which we both adored. And he did yeah, one really of good. the greatest runs on Spider-Man in recent memory on his uh, spectacular Spider-Man. The other thing I want to talk about comic book wise before we move on to the MCU stuff. They've announced recently that Nick Spencer's run on Amazing Spider-Man is wrapping up after a few years. And that's a bummer because I've been a huge fan of his run. It's been really, really good. Um, but at issue 850 it's wrapping up that's his big finale Mm, okay starting in 851 or it's they have that weird numbering thing where like the anniversary issues they revert back to the old numbers (laughs) so so it's like issue 74 is the 850th issue of amazing spider-man yeah so issue 75 i wish they would just retain the the classic numbers seriously it's so much easier and it it looks impossible to keep track of yeah, it just looks cooler too. Like if if a series is in the seven hundreds or eight hundreds, like that's nuts. I always dig it. Yeah, yeah, I think so, that's awesome. Uh, starting with issue seventy five, they've promoted the hell out of this so far. But there's a new writing team, and it's a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and the book's going to go back to three times a month, like it was back in the brand new day era, oh, way okay. back when. It's got a great team of writers and artists. And the big thing is, is they've already confirmed this, that Ben Riley will be returning as Spider-Man. Really? And something has happened to Peter Parker where he either will not or cannot be Spider-Man. Okay. Um, the teasers keep showing him either dead or in the hospital and Mary Jane crying at his side. So Shit. either he gets jacked the F up or he gets killed. Yeah. And Ben Riley takes over his, his role as Spider-Man and tries to like, be his his own spider-man again but they 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 were like you know the editor who's been writing who's been on spidey for years said that they they came up to him with this story and he was like "Eh, i don't know about that and they gave him like the pitch and he was like oh my god we have to do this story so i'm very excited about it it looks really (laughs) cool um i don't know but it looks it looks very cool i'm very excited to see what they do with it. it it's it's um you know i always liked ben riley even though i hated the clone saga and i never thought ben should be the peter parker but i like the idea 
I never liked his his Ben suit. Riley the Scarlet Spider suit. Yeah, yeah, like the crappy looking. Like... I like it. I like it because it's <laughs> yeah. like homemade. It's like it's made on the run with like yeah. no money, you know. Yeah. But that was kind of the point. So, but he's got like a new Spider Man suit because he's gonna be. Well, he's gonna be Spider Man. So he's not gonna be Scarlet Spider. So okay. he's got a new okay. suit that was designed. Um, I, I kind of dig it. It looks pretty cool. It, it's nice. very old school Spidey, but it's a different red and blue pattern. But it's oh, the same. Cool. Like it's got the red with the webbing on it and the dark blue. Like it's not too much yeah. of a, a you know take away from it's not like the traditional suit. Yeah. Right, but it looks really cool. I'm very excited to see what they do. Um, and I, I'm very excited to see how Nick Spencer closes out his run. I haven't been to the store in like a week, but all his ducks are coming into a row here where he's got like this thing coming up called the Sinister War, where you've got Dr. Octopus's Sinister Six versus the Vulture's Savage Six. And in the really? mix is also like the Syndicate, which is all these female supervillain criminals. Oh, that sounds uh, cool. And then you've got like boomerang and speed demon and hydro man and the shocker and like the revenge squad and like all these guys um it's gonna be not like they're all about to be in a war at the same time like with each other and spider-man's in the middle of it oh and, yeah that um, sounds great yeah it, that kind of reminds me of like, uh you know the batman no man's land thing where all the villains had their territories across gotham yeah oh that yeah i love that that was so yeah. cool like oh shit we're in two-faced territory like, yeah. like, it's like the warriors hyped up to like a hundred uh-huh. You know, instead yeah. of like, oh, no, it's like the baseball gang. It's like, <laughs> oh, no, it's the scarecrows. And like, you know, you can't breathe in that place. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, that there's plenty of other stuff I could talk about that's being published that I'm really enjoying. But those are the, the highlights for this week. Hey there, siblings. I'm Stephen White. And I'm Lacey Finley, The host of Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo. Ugh, it's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? It gets easier the more you say it. Each week, we discuss all the big headlines in gaming. We also do game reviews, developer interviews, and retrospectives on the industry. All of this while going on multiple tangents about whatever strikes us in the moment. Hey, listen, did you happen to watch that TV show I recommended to you? Stephen Focus. Oh, right. Follow Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo on Twitter and Instagram. And find Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So moving on, the uh, finally, 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 after like what felt like ten years, we got a new MCU entry uh, yes. movie with Black Widow. I tell people my sister moved out west. You're a science teacher. Your husband he renovates houses. You're thinking about moving, but you're gonna wait until the interest rates go down. That's not my story. <laughs> Before I was an Avenger, I made mistakes. And a lot of enemies. We have to go back to where it all started. So they never do that to anyone again. We're a family. We fight with you. At some point, we all have to choose between what the world wants you to be and who you are. my choice I'm done running obviously this was supposed to have been released a year ago mm-hmm. it, uh, I personally felt it was totally worth the wait how did you feel I thought it was really good 
it was like seeing an old friend, you know, like I, I, I was confused by and then totally understood why they decided to hold off a little bit longer mm-hmm. to do yeah. this story till after her story arc was done. Yeah, because it does add a lot of depth. Like someone pointed out, like one of the reasons Natasha was so upset, maybe more so than other people and couldn't let go of stuff is that uh, Yelena had been snapped out of existence. Yeah. And she found out after Infinity War. So like sometime between Infinity War and Endgame, she found out that her sister was gone. Mm-hmm. And on top of everything else, like that was why she just couldn't, yeah. you know, let go of it. But that was actually that was maybe my awesome favorite detail. thing in the movie was the family dynamic between not only uh, Melina and and Alexi, the Red Guardian. Natasha, don't slouch. I'm not slouching. You're going to get the back hunch. Mm, listen to your mother. Oh my God, this. I'm up. Listen. All right, enough. All of you. I didn't say anything. That's not fair. But specifically between uh, Yelena and Natasha, and I thought Florence Pugh was mm-hmm. just fantastic as Yelena. And of course... She was great. I think it goes on saying that Scarlet just absolutely destroys it. I mean, she killed this movie. She was so good. Yeah. It's um, probably her best she's performance always great. in the franchise so far, I think. I think so, too. I think yeah. this is her best. I, although I do well, think not she was that really she... good Voltron. I was going to say, not that she really didn't give it all before. It's just we didn't get enough screen time with her to really let, you know, really let her shine, you know? Well, I also felt like in this one, because, like, she already knew, like, hey, I'm dead. It doesn't really matter. Like, she yeah. she seemed a little bit more at ease at oh, times. Yeah. Maybe because she did have the more... I don't know. But it was really it was really good. The Red Guardian was fantastic. You both have killed so many people. Your ledgers must be dripping, just gushing red. I he do wish. Hilarious. Oh, he was amazing, dude. David Harbour. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. I loved his character. <laughs> like, and Rachel so Weisz is the mother. I think the best part uh, had to have been like him. Like he he kept hyping up the fact that he had met Captain America before, yeah, which is yeah, clearly yeah. not possible because he was frozen. Nope. <laughs> Unless no, we'll see. No, well, it could have been a time travel thing, which I, you know. No, well, I was thinking more. It was more than likely that it, in between the time that Steve was frozen and when he was recovered, more than likely, uh, since we know for a fact they were experimenting with it, but there yeah. was someone else being thrown around as Captain America. Yeah. Just wasn't public yet, like a Black Ops, especially Captain if America. it was in the Cold War yeah. and he was trying to fight basically Captain Russia. Wouldn't necessarily be um, something they would put in the newsreels. You know? That's pretty badass, though. Um, so that's, that was they... my thought. It'd be cool if they revealed yeah. that it was like one of the the caps from the comics, like you know, uh, William Naismith or one of those guys that like filled in for him in like the fifties. Oh, that um, would be cool. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's why I, that was my hope. But he might just be full of shit. You know, either way, it's fun. Yeah, no. He's, um, he's I will say, I didn't love how they portrayed taskmaster simply because yeah it was a completely different character oh than totally. the one from the books i thought not the design only, was cool spoilers by the way big time spoilers oh yeah not only is the the one in the the books not a woman mm-hmm. but he talks all the time he's almost deadpool level chatty yeah and, He's got like there's a he's got like this this pathos to him and like he's a goon but he's like he's got a little bit of honor and he has a soft spot where like he doesn't like bad things happening to kids and shit mm-hmm. and and this is literally just 
big, dumb, mindless girl that gets like info and punches people. She's kind of like the Terminator. anyone who didn't and and the the reveal that it was Chekhov's daughter, like or whatever Drakov's daughter. Like of <laughs> course, Chekhov's daughter. I called it. Yeah. I called it as soon as they showed the hotel thing. I was like, they're not going to make Wanda. Yeah, like Wanda. They're not going to make Natasha a child killer. They're going to reveal that that's still alive and she's going to be Taskmaster. Yeah. And it was like, I thought that was just weak. I really did. It didn't bother me. Either have Taskmaster just be a guy that works for the Red Room. Uh Uh-huh. Or don't make it Taskmaster. Just make it like some badass, like a a Red Widow, you know? Yeah. I thought it was Um, a little forced, but I didn't hate it. You know, like it didn't take me out of the movie at all. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I, yeah. it, I, if I'm trying to find something I didn't like about it, that was definitely what it was. I thought Taskmaster kind of sucked. Yeah. Um, I thought that the it, the only thing that was cool about Taskmaster, besides a cool design, like you said, uh-huh. um, was the three or four times where it was very clearly a physical callback to another MCU fight sequence. Uh-huh. Like when... Uh, she did the Black Panther thing before she fought Red Guardian. That was cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> or the, the the showing all the Black Widow moves. And when she shot the bow and arrow, she did it exactly like Hawkeye does. Like Stuff like that was cool. Yeah. But I still didn't feel like that character was done justice at all. I, that was one of the few times in the MCU. And there's been a few. But it's usually the villain. Yeah. Um, where I felt like, man, that is just not at all what I think people would have liked to have seen, you know, like, and I get the same thing with the Mandarin. Like I totally understand why that bothers people. It didn't bother me so much because I thought it was you for half the movie, you got what you wanted. And then they flipped the switch at the end. And then I I think that blow was softened when they released for people that were watching them as they were coming out on Blu-ray and stuff. Um, I think Uh it was when Thor, the dark world came out. It had that thing. Um, oh yeah, the, um, the fake Mandarin in prison, and that guy came up to him. All hail the king! Rings That's what it was called. Yeah, and the, he revealed the that there is a Mandarin, and that he was very, very unhappy with uh, yeah. Aldrich Killian. But since he was already dead, they're gonna have to take it out on Slattery. And he was like, "Ah, oh, shit." Yeah, that um, was awesome. By the way, so, <laughs> that was cool. But I didn't, you know, that uh, that just softened the, the the Mandarin blow a little bit. But I think this is not to the same level. Because Taskmaster is not the Mandarin, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, but it was just like, man, you know, like they, when they, they changed Ghost completely, same thing, made it a woman. Ghost has never been a woman for Ant Man and the Wasp. But, you know, it was just. I thought that worked too, though, you know? <laughs> well, that worked, again, they, those worked for the stories, but the, as far as like adapting the character from the source material. Yeah. Ghost. The only thing that was the same was the suit kind of looked like the ghost, and that they were intangible when they wanted to be. Yeah. And in the movie's case, like when she didn't want to be. Um, I will say same though, with Taskmaster. It's like a, yeah. a suit that copies movements. Every single thing else about it is different than the source material, and so mm-hmm. that was a little bit frustrating. But, 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 but the rest of this movie is so entertaining. It's so well written, so well acted. The action sequences are fantastic. Yeah. And they're the fights very are brutal. stressful. Yeah. Yeah, the fights and act, like the chase scenes are stressful, man. Like well, and, I found myself holding my breath a few times. Yeah. Like in the car chases and stuff. Dude, there's like, a couple of like when, uh, jump scares, like legit jump scares yeah, in this movie. Dude, dude, I tell you what, the yeah. the car chase scenes in this movie are on yeah. par with like any other car chase scene you'll ever see. Like Oh, definitely. Uh, in the MCU, like they're right up there with Fury's scene with the uh, in the Winter Soldier where he's fighting yeah. the Hydra guys. It, cops. it kind of felt like a Bond movie with like a female lead with like a little bit. Totally. You know, and that's, what the... no, that's that's 
definitely what they were going for, and I think they nailed it. And they nailed it, um, absolutely. They, you know, they had the, all the Russian stuff, the spy stuff. The well, and they also, break, of like, course, had of had the Moonraker reference in there, which I loved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, but what do you so think yeah, about I, the Flying I, you Fortress? Know, it sucks that this is, um, you know, comic book logic. It was stupid. It doesn't make any practical sense, but, uh, no, but it, you know. I thought it was kind of cool. Also, like, in a world where there's helicarriers flying around and superheroes flying around, it doesn't really make sense that that's how they avoided me it would have made more sense if they were in um Majapur. yeah that like, would have been that's cool. why nobody can ever find them is because they're in a place that no one can get into to look i felt like if you're gonna make um, it a flying fortress it should have like some kind of shielding where like you can't see it from the outside you know like, right like right, right. well the invisibility smashing into tech. it all the time yeah <laughs> yeah like how did like that thing's big enough where the naked eye could see it or like you know, maybe like it generates um, so like it a cloud around it. I don't know, like a storm cloud. I don't know. It it yeah. was it was awesome, but like it's one of those things where if you think about it for five minutes, it doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah. So it's best just not to think about it and just roll with it because everything else is so entertaining. Well, and, and, and while to have it's that the same as the this... Death Star. Like the yeah. Death Star didn't make any fucking <laughs> sense. If you yeah. think about the Death Star for ten minutes, you're like, dude, they're so dumb. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but 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 the visual of it and just the, the icon iconography of it, and everything is yeah. so cool. It was that cool. you're like, whatever. Like a helicarrier makes no goddamn sense. No. Aircraft carriers <laughs> make sense. A helicarrier makes no sense. Yeah. But it, you see it and you're like, that looks awesome, and it, it's just a cool idea you know sure it's like you know same with the the floating fortress in black widow like it doesn't make any sense but it looks cool it looks really cool when it's blowing up Uh and (laughs) fighting aboard a collapsing flying base as it's falling out of the sky like that's pretty awesome yeah so i kind of just you know even though the laws of physics stop to make sense in that whole sequence it does i don't really care because i'm so like i'm there Oh you know, yeah, it's like the Steven Spielberg said uh, at the bit at the end of Jaws, when people, the the executives or editors or whoever, was saying like, "Well, you can't shoot a tank of compressed air and cause an explosion. That's <laughs> not nitrous. It's not gasoline. Like, what are you doing?" And Spielberg made the point like, "Look, if the audience is with me to this point in the movie, they're not going to give a shit. They're going to cheer that the shark is dead. Yep, right." Yep. So yeah. if you're at this point in Black Widow and you've been you're in it and this start this stuff goes crazy and you're like man this doesn't make any sense why would they do this instead of this um yeah. you're not going you you don't care you're just in it you know yeah. you, you're captivated by the character interactions you want to see what happens do they get back together you know that's yeah. what you care about Yeah at that point um, you're you're invested you know and that's what that's what works so well with all of the Marvel movies all the MCU movies um they really like they get the characters right. Well, at least the main characters, you know, the characters that matter. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> or at least but, you get like you the know, essence c- of them. Considering that there's a flying fortress and mind control and superpowers and all that crazy stuff in this movie, it's also surprisingly dark. Like they, they really went for it, you know, like it's, well, I mean, it's not, you can't, especially with that opening. around it. It's yeah. A, it's a program that kidnaps little girls and gives yeah. them, sterilizes them and, forces them to become assassins like you can't make that kid friendly yeah i'm glad they didn't like skirt yeah. around it like they you know no marvel yeah. and that's they what handled it marvel. really well like, they make they make movies that are like accessible to everybody but they don't they don't hold your hand they hit you with some shit yeah you know they're yeah, not gonna be like that. you know the one thing that they didn't do and i think if they could do it over again they'd change it sure. is they didn't really mention nazis once in captain america the first avenger i know what the heck um, was up with that 
No, what they do, they mention yeah. it once or twice, but it's very subtle. Yeah, but not in the context of like Hydra. Erskine says something about punching. We Nazis. know, yeah, and we know that like he's working for. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think I think Schmidt says. Something I think you to get one swastika from... in the movie. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, come like... on, man. Like, and I get it. Like yeah. hi- they even say like Hydra is like the worst of the Nazis. Like they're the the creeps inside the Nazis that are like the most rotten. So that's yeah. cool. But yeah. it's not like, you know, you shied away from a lot of awful shit that happened in World War Two. Yeah. And I get it. Like, that's not what that movie's about. But like, yeah. you can't, you know, and I guess like maybe they thought like maybe it's not in the greatest taste in film sure. to show a guy dressed like Captain America going to a concentration camp. <laughs> where it's like yeah, in the comics, it's a little in the comics. It's always a little bit like, ugh. So maybe yeah. on screen you get you know X Men Apocalypse with them all hanging out. I would watch that movie though if it was just like Cap like oh totally a bunch of people but... from Auschwitz or something that would be fucking badass. Yeah, I don't know if do that the movie dirty would dozen sell. With... Yeah, <laughs> do the dirty dozen with Cap and Bucky and the Fury, the Howling Commandos. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, that sounds so. Awesome. So for Black Widow, Take all um, my money. <laughs> you know, it's a bummer that we won't see Natasha in the role as Black Widow anymore. But I do think yeah. it's very cool. That Yelena is still sticking around and was restored, of course, in Endgame. Um, and then, of course, in the post credit scene, we see that Yelena is visiting um, Nata- a headstone that's been set up for Natasha. And she's visited by um, the Countess Valeria. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, no. Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah, I always forget her name. Well, <laughs> don't forget. It's just a mouthful. Yeah. Um, but she was obviously the one that recruited John Walker as U.S. agent and Captain yeah. Falcon and Winter Soldier. And now she's got Yelena working for her, presumably as her Black Widow. And the tease is she's there at Natasha's grave to recruit Yelena to go after the man that was responsible for her sister's death. At which point Yelena opens the folder she was handed and we see a picture of Clint fucking Barton. Yeah. And it's been confirmed that Yelena is in, quote, multiple episodes nice. of the upcoming Hawkeye Disney Plus show expected out in November or December of this year. That's awesome. Um, so That's that was a really nice. cool post credit scene. I thought it was nice to see Yelena got her dog. <laughs> um, um, the, <laughs> the only other thing that I thought was a little bit of a bummer, even though we heard his voice for like a line or two, is that we didn't get any Hawkeye in this movie. Yeah. And I know I get like it's Black Widow's movie, and she's you know, but Hawkeye also hasn't had his own movie. Yeah, like, you can't I know. cameo in your movie. Yeah. You guys have been like best pals. You can't have a scene where she's just like hanging out and like, you know. Well, they had the the Budapest she... references at least. I just there was felt like it would have been cool away from the fact that like. Dude, they mentioned him a couple times, and like I said, you hear his voice in the the flashback how, to Budapest scene. How much it, it more? It just would have been nice to see a flashback of that actual fight. Right? Finally, how much more know? badass would this movie have been if the whole cold open of the movie was them in Budapest, like that whole action? That's scene. what I'm saying. Man. That should Although have been the opening of the movie, was, and then flashback. The know? cold open was was pretty awesome. I will it was say. good, but yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that would have been really cool. Yeah. Um, See, I don't really have a lot else to say about Black Widow. I really enjoyed I, it. I, I, it's a bummer that we more than likely won't get a sequel. Well, that's where I'm coming from of, with it. Well, unless it's in the vein of Captain America 4. There's no Chris Evans in Captain America 4. Sure. So why does there have to be uh, Scarlett Johansson in Black Widow 2? If Yelena well, is the new Black Widow, yeah. why can't she be the star of the movie? 
Yeah, I just I, I feel like there was a huge missed opportunity here. I, I really enjoyed this movie, but it was also kind of bittersweet knowing that is the last time we got Scarlett Johansson as that character. Well, I mean, if this movie yeah, had come out same time... before, you know, like years before, we could have gotten, I don't know, a few of these movies, like Dude, a whole series. of. She them, was you know? she was in eight movies, to be fair, man. Like at some yeah. point she was going to be like enough, you know, she was in four <laughs> Avengers movies. Yeah, but like two Captain America movies, Nick Iron Fury Man movie like Nick Fury's been in like what? 12 but, movies? Yeah, but dude, he shows up for a couple hours stands in front of a green screen usually or like in a big sound stage yeah sp- says a few lines or he sits at, like in a farm with robert Downey jr for like an hour or two spits out a few lines gets paid a ton of money and he goes home other than captain marvel it's only slightly more work than like was... the stanley cameos <laughs> i think he was like the co-star of captain marvel he's in like almost that whole movie no i know yeah um, captain marvel's he, great he's got a ton of screen time like there's yeah. And that's, um, you know, but most of Sam Jackson's appearances as that character, he really doesn't have to do anything. Um, whereas Scarlet is having to be in, like, stupid shape to fit into that uniform all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's got to she's gotta be doing flips and fights and kicking ass. And she's, you know, she tries to do as many of her own stunts as she can. So she's always getting her ass beat. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I get it. You know, same reason Chris Evans didn't want to do you, th- you don't. You can't tell yeah. me for a second Chris Evans couldn't pull that role off for 10 more years. He could I mean, easily do three more Captain Americas and oh, like four more Avengers movies. Oh, like, for sure. Easily. And he would still look the part. Yeah. Um, you know, but some like, of them he probably want doesn't do want to Hensworth, on the other hand. For another 10 years, you know? Like, exactly. <laughs> that Hensworth is like, Hensworth, like he on the other cut. hand, committed to committed to like i'm never gonna eat you know carbs again and he's gonna stick around his door for as long as he wants to which so, makes you know, me some so of them just happy get out so hemsworth is perfect i think i think it's cool that like we got a black widow movie when they really didn't have to do it her story was complete without it and it's just yeah. it just made everything else richer it just made well and if you go back and watch see- them chronologically this would fit really well in between those movies yeah. Before we move on from Black Widow, do you think we'll see David Harbour again as Red Guardian? I hope so. I hope we see everybody. I hope we see all three of them again. Um, but I know the only one I know for sure we'll see is Yelena. I don't. You know, we'll see. I hope yeah. so. Maybe he's uh, in Captain America four. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be so awesome if he's like if he's yeah. like uh, Falcon's sidekick, uh, Sam's sidekick. No, I was thinking more like <laughs> at some point, like he they have to fight him. Not that he'd be a villain, but like he'd want to fight them. Yeah, totally. Captain America. Exactly. <laughs> oh, uh, David Harbour was on Hot Ones recently. Did you see this? I have. I, I know that he's been on it, but I haven't seen the episode yet. Oh my god, it's one of the funniest things ever. He's so good in it. Uh, I, I love, love that guy. Speaking of, I love him. Tom Hiddleston portrayed our buddy Loki yet again in the Disney Plus series that just concluded. I know what this place is. The timekeepers have built quite the circus. And I see the clowns are playing their parts to perfection. Big metaphor guy. I love it. Makes you sound super smart. I am smart. I know. Okay. Okay. (laughs) 
Please sign to verify this is everything you've ever said. This is absurd. Sign this too. We protect the proper flow of time. You picked up the Tesseract breaking reality. I want you to help us fix it. Why me? I need your unique Loki perspective. Do I get a weapon? Nah. It's adorable that you think you could possibly manipulate me. You can trust me. Hoki, I've studied almost every moment of your entire life. You've literally stabbed people in the back like 50 times. Why never do it again? Just fantastic series. I mean, really, really, really good character study stuff. Um, I you know, love this I, you show. Know Loki, Loki <laughs> was already a well-established character, a very well-rounded character. Hell I do yeah. love that this particular version of Loki was set up to be like a villain again at the end, in Endgame because like this is not redemptive Loki. He hasn't gone through his arc yet. Yeah, and so they just got that out of the way in the first episode. Like, ugh, yep. let's just can we just. Get back to where we were. All right, let's just have him like review what happened when he was dead and have him, or like, you know, after he, after he, uh, the, show yeah. what happened in the timeline after the point he left it, like what he missed out on. And like, yep. you know, we'll just show him that in a few other scenes and he'll realize that he was a piece of shit. It'll be fine. That was and such a clever a way to do it. Cop out, but it's a little bit no. of a cop out to, to like undo that so quickly. But at the same time, well, it was executed so well. They and were the cl- character is so likable yeah. that it was like, all right, fine, I get it, that's fine, let's just move on. I like, I'm, I'm happy that he's back this way anyhow, so let's just do it. Totally. They were um, clever the way they approached it though, because he is a slightly different character, even from the the woke Loki, I guess, from Ragnarok. You know, like he isn't that exact same character. You know, he's had a different path, and they really play with that. No, he's bit. he's a lot more humble. Yeah, um, he's way more humble. Which is he's, cool. He's but all more the end of Ragnarok. I think I think he's closer to the version at the very end of Ragnarok than anything else that we saw. Sure. In previous incarnations, but he's not even that either. He is different. Yeah. Um, and we Which get to is see so like a, a slightly romantic side to him with himself. That was weird. Um, <laughs> I loved it. No, it, it, makes it was so great. Much, it so, made sense. It yeah. makes more sense than any other relationship you could ever put that character in. It, yeah. it makes so much perfect sense. I loved it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I thought the TVA stuff was very interesting and I knew where they were going with it the moment they introduced Ravona. Um, yeah, they, like the they the definitely TVA, laid like, some bread. Simply bread because if you're a fan of the comics and you've been reading Avengers comics for a long time, you know that Ravona in the comics yeah. is the love interest of Kang the Conqueror, the, mm-hmm. the conqueror through time, who's like the Avengers' biggest threat um, other than maybe Ultron. I gotta say uh, though, maybe, even though there maybe was maybe Ultron, yeah, he's he's up there for sure. But I was yeah. I was still a little thrown because like they did they didn't drop that until the last episode. So I was like, would they really drop him in the last episode? I know there's a lot of references to him beforehand, but like, well, yeah, it was kind of a big twist. Had, had, I thought it worked. Right, so because 
I thought it was awesome, but you know, because this is different from the previous two shows they've released and that those were just mini series. And this is actually like an ongoing story mm-hmm. for at least another season or two, I would imagine. Yeah. I think they felt a little emboldened to make that reveal there rather than maybe in episode five or something. Yeah. Um, well, that's I the thing I didn't it, realize I the fact that like, I didn't realize it was going to be a continuing series. So once, once no, that, for sure. Once that cliffhanger. But even if it wasn't, the whole point of that story was to get two things done. Three things done. Uh Introduce the concepts of the TVA and the multiverse. Uh Reestablish Loki and introduce Sylvie slash more than likely going to end up being our version of the Enchantress. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the the, once those were accomplished, they're like, man, we really need a big bat. And I'm sure at one point they they argued and there's a thing you and I kept going back and forth on is who we thought it was. It was either going to be Kang or another Loki. Yeah. And I think they just realized, like, while another Loki might make sense in the overall narrative of the fact that we've been dealing with Lokis dealing with other Lokis. Sure. It wouldn't necessarily make sense. I don't think there's a really a compelling enough reason for Loki to be. Hanging yeah. out at the end of time, trying to control stuff like that. Like I think it just if doesn't it w- seem very Loki. Like in fact, it yeah. doesn't really seem like anybody until you realize the King the Conqueror has multiple um, incarnations that are not all called Kang the Conqueror. Yeah, um, there's a point where he was stranded in the past and he became the Pharaoh Rama Tut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he got his powers back and everything. And then there's another point he was known as like the. The uh, red centurion, centurion, the red or centurion. but then yeah, and then yeah. there is Immortus, who's the king Immortus. of limbo, or the guy like and the weird like the end of time guy. Now they don't outright refer to Jonathan Major's character in Loki as Kang or as Immortus. He's just called He Who Remains, which but was actually essentially another Immortus character from the comic. Yeah, I don't, but, but yeah, it's essentially Immortus. I thought it was clever though. And, yeah, no, I thought it was really but cool and Immortus. Way to... Yeah. is a version of Kang that has given up conquering and doesn't want Kang to be Kang anymore. So he's always trying to help the Avengers mm-hmm. in ways to thwart Kang and get rid of all the different Kangs that are out there because of all his time travel. Sure. Um, so the idea that this dude was doing what he was doing specifically to avoid the births of new Kangs, mm-hmm. I thought did a couple things. It made the threat and anticipation of Kang significant without ever saying his name. Yep. Uh, which is incredible. I mean, like people are freaking out about Kang that never even knew who he was a year ago. And now they're like all in on when he finally shows up. Yeah. It also makes pretty it pretty sure setup. that Ant-Man three is going to lead into Avengers four and Avengers or excuse me, Avengers five and Avengers five will have to yep. be dealing with Kang. It, that's what it feels like. Oh, they're definitely playing the long game here. This is going to be like Thanos yeah. times 10, you know, like I thought majors was great as a guy who's clearly gone a very, very, very long time without any kind of interaction with people. That whole scene um, was brilliant. He was so good. Yeah. I cannot wait to see him portray Kang. I can't wait to see. Well, what's really cool about, um, about, him playing this character is that every time we see him from here on out, he'll be a completely different version of, you know, a different variant of Kang, you know? Well, presumably, I mean, we don't know how hard they're going to lean into that yet. True. Um, I imagine we'll see because, more than one variant though. <laughs> well, well, we don't, but it, it, keep in mind, I mean, obviously there'll be the, main the next one. time we're going to see him. 
yeah. unless we see him at some point in Doctor Strange, which isn't impossible. But I think, I it think totally that it's happen. more than likely. I think it's more than likely we don't see him till Quantumania. And really? if that's the case, then. Well, I mean, you think about. Well, do you man, think do you think Doctor is... Strange will have like an in credit scene teasing Kang for the Ant Man movie? I mean, I'm sure he'll be mentioned or something. I mean, I don't know exactly. You know, we'll see. Yeah. But I think that there's a good chance that like he won't be a player at all until Ant Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think that that's just going to set up, you know, more problems with Kang. I more than anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's dude's super dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, yeah, I don't know. I thought he was great. I thought he did a really nice job. Um, I thought that, I mean, of course, Hiddleston. I mean, my God, he's just, he's so much fun in that role. He well, recently said he'll show. play that role. He wants to play Loki till he dies. Like, he always wants to be Loki. <laughs> all right, That's let's awesome. get to the point. That the well, best thing about this show was all the different versions of Loki. Episode five. Um, yes. 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 So you get to see all the variants of Loki that have been sent to like this junkyard at the end of time. Um, yeah. Well, obviously we have Sylvie, like, you know, who's been, you know, right. But then you get like this, but... every version you've ever seen uh-huh. in the comics is represented in some form or fashion. In addition to a bunch of other ones, yep. including my absolute favorite MCU <laughs> character, yeah, Gator Loki. Gator Alligator Loki, Loki is the best. Is the greatest when he bit that dude's hand off. Yeah, <laughs> and he wears the horn, and he wears the horns on his head. Yeah, I love him so much. Uh, you got Kid Loki. You got with the subtitles. If you put subtitles on your screen, they refer to him as Classic Loki. Uh, but he just plays. He's the, the old Richard E. Jack Grant Kirby Loki. Loki. Yeah, Richard yeah, Grant playing Jack Kirby's Loki yeah. was so cool, and it just goes to show that if you do it unironically, they do look a little goofy. But you can legit get away with comics accurate yeah. uniforms on all. He these looked badass when he was like creating the illusions and all that. Yeah, that was really cool. Saying, man, they pulled if you, it off with with the right context and effects and everything and cinematography. Yeah. You can make these doofy costumes look really, really cool. Oh yeah. Um, so that was that was the best part of the show for me was seeing Loki, yeah. our Loki's reactions to those characters, and realizing like how much Loki as a person sucks. <laughs> um, I gotta say, my the, favorite the, has to be President vote, Loki. The vote Loki, yes, yeah, vote from Loki. vote Loki, yeah. Um, where he's like. Uh, but there's been a double cross and then yeah. they double cross him and he's like, Oh, come on. <laughs> I love um, that Hiddleston played where, that version, you know? Yeah. He was a couple of versions in there actually. If you, sure. if you look in the background, he's in there a few times. Oh yeah. But that was, Definitely. uh, yeah, that was, that was awesome. I thought, well, they, there was a lot of little such a good job of introducing so many new concepts. Yeah. Um, and, and tying them all together and making it more like, yeah, there is another season coming, but it felt like you got a beginning, middle and end. Oh, without a doubt. Six episodes. Well, and there's also like very, so very much going on it. in every scene. There's so many little details that you can pick apart. Like if you watch an episode twice, you're like you'll notice things uh, like the vote Loki buttons everywhere, things like that. Uh, episode five in particular had so many references throughout it. Uh, you you see the frog Thor frog Thor, uh, the Thanos copter. That was Thanos copter. kind of hilarious thinking about Josh Brolin's Thanos cramming himself into one of those things. Helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah, there's just so Uh, many little things like that. I just, uh, and the the design of the TVA, like all the retro tech, 
like um you know well, i'm pretty certain character. that the tva is that little miniature city scene in ant-man and the wasp 2 or ant-man and the wasp oh, almost has the to be at this point right like <laughs> that little city that we saw i'm almost yeah. positive that's the tva because nice. remember there's t- only two times in the MCU has someone ever said time works a little differently here. Yeah. That was in reference to the quantum realm. And when uh-huh. Loki meets Mobius at the TVA the first time. Oh, so that's brilliant. Why would things work differently? What if it's in the quantum verse or quantum realm? Oh, that makes so much sense. That's awesome. You know, you kind of yeah. exist outside of time in a way. Um, you know, I, I really think that like, they're going to keep introducing new stuff, but look for them to constantly, try to tie things to what already exists because it makes everything else feel way more cohesive and it Mm -hmm. makes it does that thing that so many millions of mcu fans love so much Mm -hmm. and it just just those little ties to stuff we've already seen before it makes people so happy it like the references to rocks freak out like stuff like that references are fine and that's that's not really that's more of like an old school x-men movie like oh they made a reference this is more like Catching They're fleshing stuff. out the they, world, they, though, is what I'm saying. Yes, and they, they, they put things in the background, like little lines. It's usually, di- well, yeah, I get what you're saying, like li- like callbacks. Yeah. Um, and, and little lines of dialogue that make you realize, like, oh, they're referring to, like, Iron Man 2 there. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, people really dig those things. And I thought that um, that Loki really, really... Did, did a good job with that. So did Black Widow. Now, of course, the big thing about Loki is that at the end of this, they have undone the TVA mm-hmm. and the multiverse is regrowing. Yep. And so Immortus warns them a multiverse uh, of madness right before Sylvie will. kills him. Yeah, right before <laughs> Sylvie executes him. Warns her and warns Loki that um, you know, the multiversal war is coming and it's, yeah. it's all because Kangs are coming back. Well, and, and he says course, like, Loki, if you, if you think I'm bad, just wait till you see my variants. Because the other, the, all the variants are Kangs. They're conquerors. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, he was a Kang too. He's just got sick of it and decided he wanted yeah. to stop fighting. That's all Immortus is. He, Immortus mm-hmm. was always Kang and Kang will always become Immortus. It's yep. time travel. It's a loop and it's bullshit. And that's why Kang hates Immortus <laughs> so much because he's yeah. like everything about himself he hates and he wants to kill him. And yeah. Immortus hates Kang because he's everything about himself that he hates. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Vicious Kang's cycle. Looted, but he's awesome. Yeah, no, it's yeah. cool. So the multiverse is back and if, or, or it's here because we have not seen it yet. Now, I think that this is going to be so freaking cool. And I do think that that is going to be heavily featured not only in doctor strange but i I do well definitely doctor strange oh yeah i think we're gonna get some teases of it teases of it in other stuff well and Um, it's super i don't know where we might see it in spider-man we might see it in thor we might see it in guardians 3 who knows but we're gonna see it and it's gonna start being more and more because they're gonna i think they're building to secret wars that's what i think they're doing oh without a doubt i think yeah that last episode of loki was hinting at that you know yeah, so yeah. that's the big. It's not that they've got a new big bad coming like a Thanos. Although Kang is, oh, the Kang's not on Thanos's level in the books. He's no. just not. He's at Doctor Doom's level though, and Doctor Doom is right up there. Like, you know, and Kang is a big fucking too. deal. And if you have Kang and Doom, yeah, and whoever's going to show up on the X Men in a couple of years when they finally show back up, mm-hmm. in addition to all the other villains, uh, and um, 
it's almost, I think it's been confirmed that Yellow Jacket is also coming back for Ant Man three. That's awesome. Well, and, so and clearly Abomination. Still here's out my there theory. Right. The, so my theory yeah. is that clearly Countess Vanessa is either recruiting a Thunderbolts or a Dark Avengers. I, I think yeah, it's Dark I, Avengers. I think, I think Thunderbolts be, is, just makes more sense. It makes more sense because well, who's going to call them the Dark Avengers unless they're yeah, just no. going to be the Avengers. I, I feel like it'll um, end up being like a combination of the two. They'll probably call it Thunderbolts, but it might look more like the Dark Avengers, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, the it's going to be at this point, we've got like Yelena and John Walker. But if you think about it, you could add a ton of other people here. Like you'd have Mordo. Sure. You could have... Um, <gasps> That's one, right. Like, you could recruit... Baron Mordo. He hasn't recruit, been in like, like anything, right? Yeah, since... they could recruit like Spectrum. They could recruit... Um, oh, that'd be cool. I think we're going to see there's a good chance the Abomination might be on that team. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Early on, there was a reference that Agent Coulson didn't want Emil Blonsky like recruited into the Avengers. Yeah, yeah there was a exactly. reference to that early on. So like, exactly. I could so, see that happening, you know? <laughs> I think that there's a good chance that they're building up to have an Avengers versus Avengers fight. And Mm-hmm. Maybe that's Avengers five. Who knows? But I think that that's I, a really. I could see that as a. And also four. because I, I don't know if they're gonna if we'll see him or not because we've already been confirmed of a lot of people in Hawkeye. We're yeah. gonna be introduced to uh, Kate Bishop, the other Hawkeye. We're yeah. gonna be introduced to Madame Mask and to Echo, and we're also gonna have yeah. Elena front and center. I was hoping we were gonna get introduced yeah. to Trickshot, which is Hawkeye's brother. Who's yeah. essentially Hawkeye, but he's an asshole. Um, <laughs> so he's not like a he's not like a mass murderer like Bullseye, but he's just as good. Yeah. He's just not like I'll kill anybody for anything, you know. But he he's yeah. just as good of a killer as Bullseye and Hawkeye are. Um, so yeah. I thought it'd be cool to introduce him too, because then you could have an Archer on the Dark Avengers team. But you know, I, well, it sounds like they're gonna. What if it's sort of you like think a about front... the villains that are still around? It's what it's pretty. Yeah. It could be a pretty scary team. Do you think it? Do you think they're kind of going like for a Masters of Evil kind of thing? Except they obviously don't call themselves that. Well, you still have the, the thing uh, is what's the Masters of Evil Baron, has just um, become Zemo. Zemo, yeah. Zemo's Zemo is also behind the Thunderbolts, so that oh, makes right. just as much sense to me if she's yeah. working for Zemo. There was a now, reference to, to uh, Crimson Dynamo in Black Widow, so maybe he's out. That was that Black was Widow. just yeah, but that was her. I mean, it wasn't clear yeah. if that was meant as like a joke about how she just can't remember his name, or if she was confusing him with somebody else. Like yeah. if she confused the name of like another existing character. Now, for those that don't know, the Crimson Dynamo has long been one of Tony Stark's biggest villains mm-hmm. um it's like the russian iron man basically and yeah. i think there's a very very good chance that if he is introduced we will see him in the disney plus armor wars with oh good point that's awesome and and i'm gonna double down I'm- i mentioned this when we talked about the we did the episode about the disney plus announcements about all the mcu phase five stuff yeah um that i think it would be really really cool if at the end of armor wars Rhodey mm-hmm. is the new iron man and then we get an Iron Man four with Rhodey as Iron Man. Oh, I would love that. I wasn't. <laughs> that would be I, so I, awesome. I feel like since they did it with Captain America, the, and it worked so well, yeah, that they they should feel like yes, we can do this, and you should do it because Rhodey should. If Tony can't be Iron Man, it should be Rhodey. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And it like you need an Iron Man. I mean, War Machine's awesome, but like Iron Man, come on. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. 
Yeah, War Machine's great, but like he's not Iron Man. And Rhodey's been Iron Man <laughs> through like some big Marvel moments. Like the original Secret Wars has Iron Man front and center, like the whole story. Not Tony Stark, but Rhodey. That's true. A ton of stuff. And, like back in the day, Rhodey used to sub in for Stark all the time. Back when Tony didn't want anybody to know he was Iron Man, it's like the Avengers didn't know. They knew yeah. that Tony Stark funded the Avengers and that Iron Man worked for Tony Stark, but they didn't yeah. know that he was one of the same. So like they had the suit had like a voice modulator. So like depending on either one, no matter which one of them was in the suit, when they talked, it came out sounding exactly the same. Um, not that you'd have to do that in the movie. I just sort of thought that was cool. <laughs> that would be funny if like Robert Downey Jr. like did the voiceover for. <laughs> I know. Here's Man here's suit. my That'd here's what funny. I think would be awesome. Yeah. Here's what I think would be fucking awesome, man. There's uh-huh. no reason you couldn't do this because he literally would not have to show his face. He could do everything over the fucking telephone. Uh-huh. But Robert Downey Jr. Uh-huh. should have had should have a suit for Rhodey that was like, a, in case I die, there's a suit for you, buddy. Oh, and yeah, yeah. in yeah. that suit, the AI is Tony Stark. Yeah, that's smart. Like a, like a Jarvis. So instead of having Jarvis... System. He has yeah. Tony being Tony in his Tony ear all the time. To, that would be awesome, yeah. Being to, being all Tony about it, like smart yeah. and sarcastic. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, no, that's totally what you should do. Driving him crazy the way that Tony always did. Yeah. And think about it. You, Robert Downey Jr. could do the entire thing from the telephone. Yep. Yep. Totally. And you could, have, you could still it. have that awesome dynamic between Rhodey and Tony heartbreaking moments where he's trying to like connect with his friend but like he, it's not his it's friend just computer, it's just this yeah. ai like yeah. you know That's a good point. um you could even bring in like morgan stark and just check in on her like Man, i don't think now i'm going to be disappointed if that's not that not she should case. ever be a superhero but like i think no. it would be cool just to see like know that she's doing okay you got to you know? check in on her pepper <laughs> all them yeah no totally happy happy, well, happy we'll, we'll see more happy in spider-man but um oh for sure yeah, I, I just I really want to see more of those. I, I'm not done with the Iron Man corner yet, even though you know Tony's gone. I think there's still enough stuff there that they could get another movie out of it. And I think oh, yeah. Armor Wars, well, Armor Wars, I'm very excited for, and I think Ironheart's going to be sweet. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Ironheart will spin out of Armor Wars, but like, don't let that Probably. be the only thing. Like, let her have her thing, but yeah. also give us Iron Man four with Rhodey as Iron Man. Yeah, maybe have both. But think of about them it, man. There, think how you know? cool it would be if, like, you, th- you know, Tony wrecks his suit and, like, it's just a matter of having, like, his automated machines rebuild it and shit. Like, yep. if Rhodey's out in the field and it breaks, like, he can't fix some of that shit. <laughs> um, That's why so, he like, needs Ironheart like, as his sidekick, I guess, you know? Yeah, but he'd have That'd to, like, cool. patch it and stuff out in the field. Like, you could have some really cool, like, Spidey, like, my web shooters are jam moments. With oh, <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. You know, like his missiles won't fire, so he just like rips them off his shoulder and throws them. You know, like <laughs> exactly. That. Some cool gags. If you want to give me more roadie and you want to give me more Iron Man, hey man, there's chocolate in my peanut butter. <laughs> uh, so as far as like the next, you know, few movies, what are you the most excited about? Like other than Armor Spider-Man. Wars, Spider Man, No Way Home, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, Fantastic Four, Ant Man is gonna be great. Eternals is gonna be cool. Dude, Honestly, I'm psyched really, about more. What you know is, what? Man. You know what? I'm gonna change my. I'm gonna change my. Change yeah. my answer. Okay. Not counting Disney Plus, just movies. I'm most hyped for Shang Chi because it's next. Shang Chi is be next. It's like next because there is not it? one of them. In, uh, September, yes, it's like five weeks, uh, six weeks. Dude, there is literally not one of these movies I am uh-huh. not like super hyped on. 
Uh-huh. So I literally just like I just look and see what's coming up next. So right now, like you said, it's what if because I can't wait for what if. What if? But then as man. soon as that's done, so uh, it'll be like Shang Chi, give me Shang Chi, and, and then, then Eternals as as is done, right after we, that, right? Uh, Eternals is like two months later, but I believe I'm not positive, but I believe uh, Miss Marvel and or Hawkeye is going to drop before that comes out. Oh, okay. Um, on Disney Plus, so then we'll get that to look forward to. Then nice. Eternals, then either or of the Disney Plus shows that didn't drop between those two. And then I think we closed 2021 out with Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, so it's Man. just every single thing coming out this what year a good is going to be awesome. I'm so yeah. excited for it. <laughs> and then next year is going to be just absolutely insane. There's like even more stuff coming out next yeah. year. Well, I got to uh, say, they're, like they're killing it with these shows. Like every single one of oh these shows God, has been amazing. so good. Yeah. So, well, think about it, like the. They're on the level quality. with the movies, but they're longer. You get more of them. Yeah. You know? <laughs> for sure. You, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, they're so good. And some yeah. of them it's are really good. Well, like, think of some of the episodes are short. Like, some of the WandaVision episodes are like 20 minutes long. But when you add them all up, you got a full length movie or more. Mm-hmm. And the effects, like, there's no drop off. It literally looks like you're watching the movies on screen. Yeah. They, they do not give them less money because they're not a feature film. Like, it. It's the MCU as promised, looking like the MCU as promised, and it's just I love it so much. It's like if you had shown this to me in 1990, 91, <laughs> dude, our I minds might have died. It. Yeah, <laughs> I might have died. It's too cool. Like, oh yeah. my god, I had, like just finished watching like the Captain America with rubber ears on, where he's finally taking yeah. the red skull. And he's kind of like, <laughs> And then you show me this, and I just would have been like, "Oh my god!" I just, I'd wish away like eighteen years of my life just to get to Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we move on from our MCU talk, I have to ask the important question: Who would win in a fight, Red Guardian or Gator Loki? Gator Loki's a gator. The Red Guardian has. <laughs> thumbs <laughs> i'm gonna say red guardian because he's so strong he's pretty fucking um, strong it's a test of strength he's really strong but as far as we know gator loki doesn't so have magic or anything. I he's just a fucking gator so fucking down for like yeah. a web series or mini series of the two of them on a road trip <laughs> yes like it happen, not Kevin even doing Feige. superhero stuff or action stuff, just like like trying to get directions from people or like yeah. trying yes. to go like to a restaurant. You know, <laughs> it could be like a buddy I cop just, movie. Uh, you know, Gator Loki yes. and uh, Red Guardian. Yeah, Gator I think they would the get Guardian. along. They they would be so they would be hanging out in Florida. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, be awesome, yeah, man. I, be like, oh, oh, what if it's like a Miami Vice like kind of vibe? You know. Like oh, hot pink awful. jacket with rolled yes. up sleeves. Yeah. Someone needs to do that yes. fan art immediately. <laughs> put a wig. Put a wig on top of the horns. I can't tell yeah, you how much I love horn. both of those characters. <laughs> yeah, they're great. They're great additions. You really don't remember him. I think TVA had arrested a lot of Lokis, but no, I don't remember an alligator. I mean, who's to say he's even a Loki variant? He's green, isn't he? He could be lying, the long con. Of course, that just makes him more likely to be a low-key. It's always the game within the game with you guys, which I respect.
so real quick, so before we wrap up, we have um, we didn't do it last time, but we, we've been trying to um, include a little segment here at the end of each episode where we kind of make a comic book recommendation for a specific characters. So like we'll mention mm-hmm. a character, and both of us will give a recommendation or two for things that we think people might enjoy reading. Um, and we've in the past discussed Batman and Green Lantern and Spider Man. So today we wanted to talk about someone that's been around forever and a half, but sometimes gets kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit, and it's a little definitely confusing as to why. And that's Wonder Woman. Yeah. So if you had to give somebody a Wonder Woman book to read, and there are a lot to choose from, where you could be like, check this out. There's and so I think, many, man. Like both of, I really want to read Daniel Warren Johnson's um, Damned Earth. Oh yeah. Recently, and it God, it looks good. That's the one I showed nice. you where she's got Superman's skull. Oh, I, I saw that. Yeah, I saw the art for that. Oh my god, she nice. uses yeah uses it as a weapon because it's like Kryptonian bones and they're like mega hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> barring that book, which neither one of us had read yet, even though we both look, think it looks cool. Yeah, it looks. What awesome, would man. be a book of hers that you would give to somebody to be like, check this shit out? So. Uh, I think Wonder Woman's a great character, definitely underrated, definitely underutilized. And there's a lot of good ones to pick from. You got, you know, of course, the George Perez stuff from the 80s. Um, uh, uh, there's there's a Straczynski run that's really good. But for my pick, I'm going to go with uh, the new 52 run of Wonder Woman from uh, Brian Azzarello and Cliff Chang. Chang? Chang? Yeah, I think Chang? it's Chang. Chang. My bad. Yeah, that that book was great. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, it does. I, I won't say it takes liberties with the source material, but it definitely reinvents them a little bit. Like the way they show the Greek gods and her origins a little bit different and things like that. But everything's pretty awesome. Like between the writing and the art, like everything works so well. Uh, the I first feel like volume... they mixed. Oh, they mixed sorry. it with like a Sandman. M- yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it works so, so well. Well, because like, the Greek gods, they're, they're usually like elemental in some way, and they really play that up in the story. So like uh, Poseidon well, is like a sea quick? monster, you know, like yes, Hades has like Hephaestus candles like, coming out of his head, you know, like yeah, he's like melting yeah, candle yeah. wax. It's creepy. It's really creepy, what but it's about awesome. The, the biggest change they made was they revealed that Diana was not made from clay by her mother, as she'd always been told. Yeah. But she was, in fact, the, the child of a sexual relationship between Hippolyta and Zeus. Which makes so a lot she was the of sense. daughter of the god of gods. Yep. So uh, of the Greek pantheon, like it's basically like being Odin's daughter. Yeah. Um, I really liked it. Ew, it was so good, man. Um, and there's a couple cool things they added to this to her story, uh, to her power set. Um, she has those, you know, those iconic bracelets, right? Those gauntlets, I guess you can yeah. call them. And they reveal that like they're actually keeping her power in check when she takes them off she's like unleashed <laughs> yeah like she has like Zeus's really lightning cool. and everything she it's was always told badass. like keep them on because they make you stronger like they'll yeah. give you protection and she they are kind of a weapon and they she used them as like a shield but it's like a sign of her mm-hmm. keeping herself oppressed i guess yeah and so when she takes them off she becomes like fully realized that she's fucking terrifying yeah, I can't recommend these books enough. Um, the first volume is called Blood, Wonder Woman Blood. Um, yeah, definitely check them out. Like I, I recommend the whole freaking run, like all fifty whatever issues. They're really good. They're really good. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, mine, I could have said the Greg Rucka run from the early 2000s where she's like blinded by, you know, Medusa and everything. It, That's like, a good it's one. It's so good. It, that is really so good. freaking good. There's yeah. this, there's this two parter where she and Wally West flash fight the reverse flat or fight zoom and mm-hmm. cheetah. And it, oh, like, yeah. he, zoom gives cheetah super speed. And it's like blind wonder woman fighting a super speed cheetah. It's freaking sweet. But what my pick was uh, is a, it's a, a original graphic novel. So it's written in graphic novel format. So it's not like a collection of issues. Oh, okay. Um, but it's by Greg Rucka, and the artist is J.G. Jones, um, who's probably most famous for illustrating the Wanted book and all the covers on DC's 52 series. Um, I always get it mixed really up cool. with uh, Alex gonna... Ross, you know, like that kind of style, you know, like very realistic. Ross is a bit more a bit more photorealistic. Um, true, but true. But they're both hyper-realism with, with really keen eyes for cover design and for colors. Yeah. Um, but JG's a bit, he's like Alex Ross mixed with Brian Boland. So like he's more towards the Brian Boland comic booky side, but mm-hmm. realistic enough where at least at first glance, it looks like it could be like people. Yeah. Posing, you know? Yeah. Um, but the cover of this one is you'll, you'll, it's, this is called uh, Wonder Woman, the, the Hikatea. Um, and it's, the cover is famous. I mean, it's like easily re- recognizable, but it's, um, Batman lying on his chest on the ground, looking like pissed off, and Wonder <laughs> Woman's heel on his boot, like she's keeping his head to the like, don't get up, kind of thing. Yeah, that's yeah. the cover. So the story is long story short, Wonder Woman is protecting this girl and has like been essentially bound to protect her, like she has to protect her, mm-hmm. and the person that is now coming after this girl is Batman. And so the whole thing is like Batman's trying to figure out how the hell do I get past freaking Diana mm-hmm. to get to this girl. And Diana's going like, how do I stop Bruce without killing him? Because <laughs> yeah. he, I'm, I can't just, he's not going to stop. So, you know, it's yeah. really interesting. And Rucka also at the time was writing, um, I think detective comics. I think Ed Brubaker was writing Batman and Rucker was writing detective and the two of them were writing Gotham central together. So he was writing wonder woman and Batman and Gotham central. And this is like a weird marriage of, um, Batman and wonder woman, this book it's more wonder woman because it's told through her perspective, but it is heavily featured as Batman. And, and it's, you know, you see Superman, Batman all the time, and you see a lot of interactions with Superman and Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. But of like the DC Trinity, Batman and Wonder Woman don't traditionally get nearly as much time on screen together, yeah. unless Superman is also there yeah. or the Justice League is also there. So this is a really cool way of looking at how these characters interact. Like the guy who's just a guy in a costume who scares the shit out of like supervillains mm-hmm. versus an actual goddess. Yeah, <laughs> who should scare the shit out of supervillains, mm-hmm. um, and just how they're they're, you know, these people are friends for some reason. Yeah, despite the fact that everything about them is like opposite. Totally. Um, totally. So this is an interesting way to see, like, besides like just having them like having contrasting styles to how they approach problems in the Justice League, having them go against each other mm-hmm. is. Uh, a really interesting way of looking at both of these characters and which makes what makes them tick not only in relation to each other 
with just his characters. So I highly recommend it. The art is fantastic. Yeah, it's really the story is really interesting. Well, speaking of, um, you mentioned Batman and Wonder Woman. There is a series of books. This was like towards the end of the New 52 run. Uh, that was mm-hmm. Superman and Wonder Woman. Like in this mm-hmm. timeline, you know, uh, Clark and Lois didn't quite work out. So he ended up hooking up with Diana and I that actually was the new really, 52, yeah. Yeah. And the new 52 run. And I, I thought that was like kind of a cool, you know, new twist. You know, it seems like those characters would actually, you know, get along pretty well. well you and know? that's where, that's where they, They're a lot of stories the they get in like a lot of stories that like show the future of the DCU. Yeah. Have that be the case, like kingdom come and stuff like that. Whereas like, because even though Clark's first love, at least will always be Lois. Yeah. Eventually, Lois is going to grow old and die, and Clark's just not. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. he's going to live for a long fucking time. Mm-hmm. Um, a Kryptonian under Earth's yellow sun, he could live 10,000 well, years. And, of course, she has um, Steve Trevor, but he's also mortal. So, you know, it kind of exactly. makes sense for the two So, eventually, them. what's going to happen is yeah. the only people that they're going to know are each <laughs> other because everyone else is going to be long dead including most of their teammates and they're going to have yeah. lived the two of them are going to have lived multiple lifetimes essentially mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. presumably fighting side by side so it, it seems inevitable that the two of them will end up together but yeah. it was cool to actually see it like in the main continuity that was like in their cool. prime yeah um yeah, that was pretty cool, I will say. Uh, I um, want to give one more honorable mention. Uh, there's a graphic novel. It's an Earth One graphic novel. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah. That. Grant uh, Morrison and Grant Yannick, Morrison. Yannick Paquette. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Yannick Paquette. That was a really oh, good man. take. That was. Yeah. He, and that's what Very he does bizarre, so well. And that's what they. But good. He, well, <laughs> Grant, Grant, when he writes stuff, the very first thing he does is he goes and he researches who created it. Yes. And then he re- he looks at what was their intent in creating yep. this character? What was it supposed to represent? What was it trying to say? Yeah. And then and if you know the history he, behind that character uh, with, you know, Marston and all that, like he really plays that yes. up in the story. <laughs> exactly. And so he takes these characters at their basic core concepts and he re- he just reintegrates them into like a modern sensibility, and like that's what he does. That's yep. what he's always done. Yep. It's just really interesting to see him do that with Wonder Woman, which is a character that has one of the more bizarre behind the scenes origins of any comic book character. Oh, uh, definitely. At least major comic book character. So it's yeah, his version of Earth One was really interesting, and I, I it's very much worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Um. And some of those Earth One books are actually all of them are really good. Uh, you know, I haven't read Teen Titans yet, but Wonder Woman was great, Green Lantern was great, Superman was good, Batman was good. Um, I hope they do more. Oh yeah, definitely <laughs> a lot of potential there. All right, man. Well, uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening. But yeah, you can check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Comic Zombie. Yep. You can find us at ComicZombie.net. Uh, our other podcast, Eric's show, Epic Fails of History, is back up and running for was it season two? It's not ten. Season, season three, three. two, right? No, we it just started three. season yeah, three. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it is three. Yeah. Um, so yeah, first episode. It's of season three just start. dropped. Check that out. Uh, we we Eric and I are joined by our friends Corey and Justin as we talk about the French Revolution. Yep. And uh, a lot of the ridiculous nonsense that went on then. 
It's <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's to check us out also on Podcasters Assemble over at probablywork.com. Yep. And you can also catch Eric um, on Too Young for This Trek, which can also be found, I believe, on probablywork.com, right? That's right. Yeah, it's a great site. You guys should check it out. They have a lot of really cool shows and a lot of like very talented people working really hard. And I've been and, working and really hard some... on the website lately. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. yeah, and putting a lot of, um, they put a lot of, a lot of, uh, thought and effort into some of these shows and it it really shows i think that you know if you like our nonsense i think you'll really like their nonsense we will be on the next season of podcasters assemble whenever that does drop when we're going to discuss the ghostbusters movies (laughs) i can't wait man looking forward to it all right well thank you so much for joining us on another episode of comic zombie and we will talk to you next time sounds good This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at Probably Work for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com. Probably